Adams Church, and uh, ladies always do a great job. Colossians chapter number one, we're going to be this morning. Colossians chapter number one. Uh, ladies always do a great job, but we don't have a, a men's group that sings. And so I was thinking that me, Brother Dwayne, <laughs> Brother Scott, we should start a group. I mean, you talk about you talk about driving people away from the church. Yeah, man. We'll wait till we have a good group of visitors and they'll be thinking, what in the world's going on at that church? Oh mercy. But um thank you ladies for that. That was a beautiful song. I certainly appreciate it. Colossians chapter number one. And I just want you to look at one verse in Colossians one, and then we're gonna turn back uh, uh to the book of Acts. Colossians chapter 1, I want you to uh, look at verse number 18 with me. Colossians 1 and 18, and he is uh, the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the first, uh, uh, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have uh, the preeminence. Of course, we're talking about uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ being the head But what I want you to see is, I want you to see that he says, he is the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the body, the church. You know, the word church gets thrown around a lot, like the word love. You ever notice that? The word love is thrown thrown around a lot, and sometimes I don't think we have a concept or... An idea, we certainly don't uh, have a biblical idea uh, of uh, that word, the word love. Uh, love is not a, uh, or it's not just a feeling, love is an action. And um, uh, the church, things that are, things that are um, considered the church today, if it wasn't so sad, it would be laughable. The things that people call the church today... Now, have you, have you scratched your head? I mean, if you're new to Christianity, or even if you're not, even if you've been around Christianity a long time, sometimes you scratch your head because, uh, um, you know, we use the word church for groups that don't even believe the same. Does that make you scratch your head? you got, you got churches... Uh, uh, that are called churches, but they don't believe like our church believes. Now, let's get something straight. I'm not talking about they sing different music than we do. I'm not talking that they have a Thursday night service instead of a Wednesday night service. I'm not, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about things that are doctrinal. Things that, uh, that God defines in His Word. And if God defines things in His Word, we're going right now through um, the Baptist distinctives on Wednesday night. Really, why Baptists believe what they believe. And so um, uh, we're going through that uh, currently um, uh, uh, in Wednesday night. So if you're not, if, if you're, if you're not working or um, you can make it, come 7 o'clock Wednesday night. And um, you really should know what you believe, and why you believe it. Why do you go to a Baptist church? 
Well, I hope it's not because, you know, there wasn't another different kind of church that was closer. I mean, what, why are you Baptist? Why do you come to this church? Why do you believe what you believe? Do you believe what you believe because some preacher told you to? Do you believe what you believe because your parents told you to? Do you believe what you believe because your Sunday school uh, teacher told you what, uh, to, what to believe? Those are finding good as long as they are consistent with the Word of God. See, Paul said, follow me, but he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so we've got to have a, we've got to have a foundation, right? Jesus Christ is the head of the body. He gives you this illustration of the body of Christ being like the body that we currently live in, that we currently carry around with us. What is the body? How in the world, you ever thought about this? How in the world do you keep the church, the body of Christ, how do you keep it healthy? How do you keep it functioning? How do you keep it going? Because if you didn't know this, you ought to know this. Uh, every single day, churches close their door. Every single day, they close up shop. They can't make it anymore. Why can't they make it anymore? Why can't they go on anymore? Well, something happened. It's kind of like, kind of like our body, right? Isn't it so true? You're going along and everything's just hunky-dory. You feel great. I mean, you're working out in the yard. I mean, everything's going good. And, and then all of a sudden, boom, something hits you. And you get sick. And boy, it just knocks you for a loop. Knocks you off your feet. And what do you do? You, you, you've got to change some things. And you've got to go to the doctor. And you've got to take some medicine. Why? Because... It's hard to live in a body that's not healthy. Some of us know that as we get older, we're not meant to live in this body forever. I hope you, hope you know that. We're going to get new bodies. Uh, when, we, uh, when we die, we'll be separated from this body. This body will go back to the grave and we'll go to be with the Lord. And then at the rapture, uh, we'll be reunited, but we'll have a new body. Listen to me. I will be 50 this year. Not, not some of you, oh, you young whippersnapper. Some of you are thinking, well, man, you are older than dirt. You know, it just depends on where you are, right? When I was 20, I thought 50 was, you're done. You had like five years left, and then you went to the grave, you know. Now I'm thinking 50's pretty young. But I know this much. The older I get, the more I know I don't, I don't want this body when I go to heaven. <laughs> you got aches. You got pains, you got back problems and knee problems and hip problems and shoulder problems and eye problems. You name it, right? I mean, it's one thing after another after another. It's like you recover from one thing and all of a sudden there's another. As I get older, I remember I used to be able to go out and, man, I'd be able to do whatever I wanted to and, and, and go to bed and sleep and get up the next day and I was just fine. Now, uh-uh. I'm here to tell you, if I got to go out and I have to weed the yard, if I have to weed the, um, uh, the beds, I, I get out there and I get down. I, I'm, not the, 
I'm not the guy that sits there and bends over and I mean, I've just got a bad back. And so I, so I get down on my hands and knees. We do that for several hours. The next day, man, you try to lift your leg and you go, what in the world is wrong with my legs? Anybody ever do that? <laughs> so, what, why is the back of my legs hurting so bad? Why are my calves are, and the, oh yeah, I'm old and I just worked out in the yard. And so your body, right? Your body needs to, sometimes it needs exercise. Sometimes it needs uh, the right kind of food. If you continuously eat the wrong kind of food, your body's going to pay for it. I tell young people all the time, I said, listen, you keep drinking that garbage, you're going to pay for it later. I, I mean, you keep downing those energy drinks and power drinks, and I'm here to tell you, listen, when I was, when I was younger, I mean 12 packs of, of, of Mountain Dew. I mean, I drank one, a 12-pack every day. I mean, I love that stuff. That stuff is poison. Good night. You know the sugar content in, in, in Mountain Dew and in some of these drinks? And, and we put it into our body and we put it into our body. And then later on down the road, we think, why in the world is this happening to me? Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Sometimes it's genetic. I get it. But this body, there's a lot of, a, a lot of things that he compares when it comes to our bodies and the body of Christ. Now go back to uh, the book of Acts. Go back to the book of Acts. I believe there's some things that God tells us uh, in the book of Acts. And what is, what is the book of Acts? The book of Acts is the autobiography of the church. Okay? It's the autobiography of the early church as the church begin to form, as the church begin to grow, as the church begin to be used by God. Um, uh, it, it, God tells us some things that uh, the church can do to um, remain healthy, to remain effective, to be where God needs the church to be. You see, God has called us to be light. We're living in a world of darkness. We're living in a world of sin. We're living in a world that uh, people are turning their back on God and turning away from the Word of God and turning away from uh, holy things and spiritual things. And the things that used to be important aren't very important anymore in our world today. And that's just, a, that, those, are the, those are the facts. All you got to do is pick up a newspaper. All you got to do is turn on the news and, and you'll find for yourself the things that are going on uh, uh, in our world today. And so with all those things going on, God has called the church. Now, Understand this idea, okay? This, this wall right here is not the church. It's a wall. This pew is not the church. It's just a pew. This carpet, as red and as ugly as it is, is not the church. This building is where the church meets. This building, I believe, is a, 
is a sacred place. Don't misunderstand me. When I get up, uh, this, this pulpit's not the church, but it's a very sacred place to me. And so I'm not saying it's not sacred. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take the shoes off your feet for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I believe those things, but I'm telling you it's not the church. If this church, if this building goes away, the church goes on. Think about it in Fort Myers. I mean, some churches that were just absolutely just decimated and destroyed. That wasn't the end of the church. That was just the end of the building of the church. So when we're talking about the church, we're talking about an ecclesia. It's a Greek word for church. It means a called out assembly. An assembly of believers is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the church. And I'm not talking about a universal church. I'm talking about a local church. New Testament church. Now, I know when we use that terminology, uh, 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 this, this terminology when it comes to the church of, of other, uh, uh, like there are, there are people that are Methodists that are saved, there are people that are Presbyterian that are saved, there are people. I hope you know that, I hope you understand this. There are people in all denominations and in all areas that know Christ as their Savior, okay? They may be off doctrinally. Uh, in, in, in certain things, but if they trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're just as saved as you are. Being a Baptist doesn't make you saved. I, I hope we get that. This idea, this, there's, a, uh, there's a whole group of people, they're not as popular as they used to be, but once upon a time, they were very, very popular. They were called the Baptist Briders. And the Baptist briders, some of them were more extreme than the others, but at the very least, the Baptist briders meant that if you're saved, uh, you went to heaven. If you were saved and you were a Baptist, you were at the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you were saved and you were not a Baptist, you were not at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because Baptists were preferred. Where in the world we find that? And the word this, this, this is not a this is not an airline where you you know you're preferred to fly first class. It, listen, you're saved to know Christ as your Savior. That's why you're going to heaven, not because you're a good person, not because you live in the South, not because you're a Baptist, not because you're a Methodist, but because you trusted Christ as your Savior. Okay, so that's what Jesus died. Jesus didn't die on the cross for the Baptist only. Okay, he died uh, on the cross for all men. John three sixteen uh, uh, clearly uh, teaches that. So the body of Christ, those called out believers. Now I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about uh, the called out believers of Rankin Baptist Temple. You see, we're so worried about everybody else. What we need to worry about is ourselves. We need to worry about this assembly of believers. How can we stay healthy? How can we stay effective? How in the world can we be continue to be the light that God calls us to be and God needs us to be? And so we see back in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. And um, I want you to see. Uh, I want you to see a couple things. Okay, uh, if we're going to be healthy, if we're going to be, uh, if we're going to be right, if we're going to continue, 
if we're going to keep the doors open here at this church, then there's some things that are very, very important when it comes to being healthy in the church. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 14. Acts chapter number 1 in verse number uh, 14. The Bible says, uh, these all, who are they talking about? Who's he talking about here? He's talking about the church, okay? So Acts, remember, when you're reading the book of Acts, it's talking about the, um, the actions of the local church. Uh, and uh, he says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, and with his brethren. These all continued with one accord. Listen, if we're going to be um, the light that God has called us to be, if we're going to be healthy when it comes to the local church, there's got to be togetherness. There's got to be unity when it comes to the body of Christ. We, uh, as believers have one book. Does it amaze you how, how different people can believe when it comes to things that God has defined? Does it amaze you? It amazes me how people can differ when it comes to salvation. Just, just give you one subject, the subject of salvation. Simple, Right? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't know how you misunderstand that. I don't know how you misinterpret that. I don't know how you understand it in any other way than whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible does not say believe and do the best you can. The Bible doesn't say be a good person and you'll be saved. The Bible says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say anything about joining a church. It doesn't say anything about being baptized. It doesn't say anything about being confirmed. It doesn't say anything about being a good person. It says believe and you're saved. So how in the world is there groups of people out there that believe baptism is necessary for salvation? Speaking in tongues is necessary for salvation. Being confirmed is necessary for salvation. Joining the church is necessary for salvation. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying some things aren't important. I'm just telling you, when it comes to salvation, God has defined it in His Word. And if God has defined it in His Word, I don't care what denomination you are. I don't care where you come from as a person. If God has defined it, then it's already defined. He doesn't need our help. You know, it's amazing that in two different places, in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, the book of Revelation in the New Testament, God says, when it comes to His Word, leave it alone. Don't touch it. Don't change it. Don't alter it. If you alter the things, if you change the things that are in this book, I'll add to you the plagues of, uh, of this book, He says. And so He says, listen, don't mess with it. Don't, change, don't alter the Word of God. 
So God says, this is what you believe, then you believe it. And you believe it because God said to believe it. And we believe that God doesn't send us in the wrong direction, that God doesn't ask us to believe things that we shouldn't believe. God's not trying to dupe you or trick you. God wants you to be effective. God wants you to be light. And he said in the book of Acts, the early church, they were together. Together. They believed the same things. When it came to prayer, when it came to supplication, they were on the same page. You know, when it comes to translation, do you know why I'm King James? We could talk for a very long time to tell you why we're King James, but you want to know one of the main reasons I'm King James? Because if it's not broke, don't fix it. I mean, in if you're, and I say this all the time, if you're a church and you're going to use the ESV, then everybody needs to use the ESV. If you're an NASB, then everybody should. Why? Because when you're on different pages, if, you're, if, I'm, kicking, if I'm preaching from the King James and somebody has a different version, there are some versions that leave entire chapters out of the Bible. They're going, wait, wait a minute, what is he preaching out of? When you're not on the same page, things are confusing. And people, let me tell you something, people in our day and age are confused. They're confused, not just over spiritual things and doctrinal things. People are just confused altogether. It absolutely makes, you know, you know driving is one of my, um, my nemesis. I mean, it's, it's difficult for me, okay? I just, it's just difficult for me. People just can't drive. They can't follow simple instructions. One way, do not enter. I mean, they enter. They enter that way. Roads blocked and go around it. I mean, here's the speed limit. They break it. I mean, we're we are coming home and Kyle and I, um, Wendy and Wendy's was uh, had left and, and gone up to um, CN, and so Kyle and I were uh, by ourselves and. So we decided we decided we we're going to go play top golf. Have you ever played top golf? I listen, bro Johnny, I love you, but I hate golf. I mean, I just I don't have the patience for it. I just I'm not good at it. And and so, but we went to top golf one time, and I thought that's about the funnest thing I've ever done. I love that. I still hate golf, but top golf, man, I just so so we decided we we're going to go. Well, there's not there's one in. Jacksonville, and there's one in Augusta. And they're about the same time-wise distance away. And so they closed the one in Jacksonville because of the hurricane. So Kyle says, let's go to Augusta. All right, let's go. Let's, let's go to Augusta. And so we left at like, um, like 8 o'clock. It's like two hours to get there. And so we got there. We played the night games, and we were coming back. It was like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. So we're driving. Nobody's on the road. It's my favorite time of time of the night, day, anyways. Uh, so we're driving these back roads. Well, I mean, I'm here to tell you. Here comes a truck. I mean, he was going, you know, going that the opposite direction we were. I said, man, that dude's flying. And then all of a sudden, you see this cop. I mean, I mean, they were. Ch- he was chasing. 
there was no, the guy was, the cop was driving a Hellcat. There was no, there was no possible way that truck was getting away. But anyways, he, they flew by. You know what he did? Let me tell you something. This, do you know how many laws this guy's breaking? He ignored the speed limit. He's, he was obviously impaired. So he, he ignored, he ignored that law. I mean, you know, reckless driving and that, we just, people are so confused in the world we live in today. Because the law applies to you, but the law doesn't apply to me. That's, that's the mentality that we're living in today. And that bleeds over into the Word of God. The Word of God applies to you, but it doesn't apply to me. That even occurs in relationships. Now, I can act the way I want to, but hey, the Bible says. Because I'm telling you, if you're not careful, you can use the Word of God to manipulate and get your own way. People do it all. Listen to me. People do it all the time. Well, you should be. And well, the Bible says some people know enough about the Bible to be dangerous. They really do. And so what do we need to do? Listen, God's people need to get on the same page. Here's the page. This is the page we need to be on. Let's all be on it together. Unity is absolutely paramount. It is absolutely important. In Acts chapter 2, let me read a couple verses to you. Acts 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Look over in verse 46 of chapter number, uh, chapter number 2. Uh, verse number 46, the scripture says, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, watch this, and singleness of heart. What are they trying? Listen, all these passages, let me tell you what they're trying to say. That they were on the same page. They, they were thinking the same. Now, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to listen to this because I, I want you to get the importance of this when it comes to, um, when it comes to unity. unity. We need to be unified, but that doesn't necessarily mean uniform. You understand that? There's a difference between the two. You may come to church, and you may wear a tie when you come to church. Somebody else may come to church, and they don't wear a tie. That doesn't make them lost, folks. One preacher might believe that you shouldn't wear a beard. Another preacher might think it's okay to have a beard. That doesn't make one saved and one lost. So, not necessarily uniform, but unified. I promise, if I had a mic and I, and I started over here and started passing it and, and, and asked one question, give me your philosophy of music. <laughs> oh boy. By the time we got to the end, it might be a Jerry Springer show. I mean, we might be duking it out and fighting because... Man, we get passionate about music. I mean, passionate. And I have a thing about music that I think is right, and you have a thing about music that you think is right, and this music should be sang in the church, and this music shouldn't be sang in church. But it's songs and hymns 
and spiritual songs. Well, let me tell you what spiritual songs look like. Yeah, go ahead and tell me. What, what is spiritual song? Because I, I have an idea of what spiritual songs is too. So it's not necessarily uniform, but it is unified. Sometimes, get, get it, now get this, we, Christians have a hard time with it, but sometimes we can agree to disagree. You know? Sometimes we could say, listen, I, I don't agree with you, but we're going to move on because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. It'll be okay. I don't agree with everything the preacher does. Well, good news. My wife doesn't agree with everything I do, so good news. My kids don't agree with everything that I do. It's okay. We can agree to disagree. I promise you, when you have two different people, you're going to have different ideas. But when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to godly things, when it comes to spiritual things, we need to get on the same page. I want you to think about unity. I want to just give you three things. So we're out of time, but I want to give you these three things, and I'll give you some verses to go with them. Number one, unity or togetherness is essential. It's essential. If we're going to get the job done, we need to be unified. I've given the example in, in Ephesians, chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 of the verses you can look up. But unity is essential. I've, I've given this example before. When it comes to um, a couple, and this couple uh, has a child. Before she births that child, you better get on the same page when it comes to raising that child. If one has one philosophy and one has another philosophy, and, and little Junior starts acting out, and this philosophy and this philosophy are contrary to each other, let me tell you what there's going to be. There's going to be friction in the marriage. There's going to be friction in the family. Oh, you're too, you're too this, or oh, you're too easy, or you're, you're, you're too hard. Listen, when we had our children, especially our firstborn, he's still a handful. He'll tell you he's a handful. But our firstborn, let me tell you something, he was a pistol. And I've had to correct him on more than one occasion, whether it was in private or in public, and we'd be out to eat, and he'd be, he'd be acting a fool as a, as a little kid. We'd be out to eat with mom and dad. Grandma and grandpa, listen, grandma and grandpa, you get weak when you have grandchildren. Weak when you have grandchildren. I know, I know, I will too. I get it. I'm not there yet, though. But I used to have, I used to say, say Kyle, that's enough. He got, there wasn't, there wasn't no count to five. There wasn't no, I'm counting backwards. There was no, you got one shot to knock it off. And when he didn't, I got up. I didn't do it publicly. I got up, I snatched him out of the high chair. And I went to the bathroom. Here's mom. Oh, oh, please don't spank him. I'm like, Mom, I'm going to the bathroom because I don't want this to be public. And you're screeching in the restaurant not to beat the kid, you know. And so, and so I'd take him and, and correct him. And this is what I have to tell Mom from time to time. Mom, Kyle belongs to me and Wendy. You, you're just going to, uh, let me tell you, I used to love to do this. Uh, God help me. He's forgiven me since. But I love to do this just to irritate mom. 
I'd take Kyle when he was little, and I'd throw him as high as he could, as high as I could throw him in the air. I don't know that I'd do that today. I might shoulder my give out or whatever. Um, well, I couldn't pick him up now. But anyways, when he was a baby, and I'd catch him, and mom would, I just got to go in the other room. I just can't. I just can't do it. I'd, I'd spin him around, and I'd throw him up. Some of y'all did the same thing. And mom would be like, oh, I just can't do it. I just can't heal. So like, mom, he don't belong to you. He belongs to me. Me and Wendy had to get on the same page on how we were going to raise our children. We had to get on the same page when it came to correction, when it came to teaching, when it came to spiritual things. If you're not on the same page, there's always going to be friction. I'm telling you something, church. If we get off the same page, there's going to be friction in the church. Why do you think church splits happen? Why do you think that that people uh, end up leaving churches? Because people get off the same page. And so we've got to be unified. It is essential. Number two, unity is effective. Do you know how many, do you know how much more gets done when people are together? Do you know how much more you can get accomplished when people are together? Let me tell you what kids will do. When they know that mom and dad don't agree, Man, they way smarter than you think they are. They're going to go to the one that's easy. And they're not going to tell you that dad already said no. They're going to go to mom and say, mom, I just blah, blah, blah. And mom said, oh, yeah, good, junior, you can have such and such. When they know good and well dad said no. Well, let me tell you something. We had a meeting every night. So my kids never got away with that junk. And if they did, they didn't do it again. Why? Because you got to be on the same page. Unity is effective. And when you're on the same page, guess what? Kids know they can't get away with it. They're not going to do it. If they can't get away with pitching a fit in, 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 in public or pitching a fit in a, in a, in a store, if they know they're not going to get away with it, they're not going to do it. But if they think they can get away with it because you're inconsistent or because you're not on the same page, They're going to do it every single time. Listen, it is effective. We can accomplish a lot more when we're unified. We talk about it all the time when it comes to visitation. Saturation visitation. Basically, you're taking tracks or you're taking little packets and you're hanging them on a door. I mean, you don't even have to confront people. Just hanging them on a door. And man, when a bunch of people show up, do you know how many doors you can hang? Do you know how many contacts you can make? But when only a few people show up, you can only get so much done. Same with Workday, same with VBS, same with anything. The more you have, the more you can get accomplished when you're on the same page. It's effective. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 6. Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. Let me give you the last one. Unity is essential. Unity is effective. Togetherness is encouraging. It's encouraging. When you're on the same page, it's encouraging when you know that your brother and sister in Christ is there for you. I love the book of Ruth. And, 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 and Naomi, Naomi's sons-in-law die, or Naomi's sons die, and her daughters-in-law start to go with her. You remember the story? 
She's going to go back to her homeland. They start going with her. And, and Naomi says, listen, just, just stay here. I'm not going to have any more children. You're not, I mean, there's no, and if I could, the, by the time they're old enough to marry, you're not going to be able to marry them. So, so just find a husband in your own land. And Orpah said, okay. And she turned around and went. And Ruth said, no, don't entreat me to leave you. I'm going to go where you go. Your land is going to be my land. Your people is going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. What an awesome statement. And Ruth goes, doesn't she? And Ruth goes with her uh, to the land and ups and downs and ins and outs. And she meets Boaz and, and he has the kinsman redeemer. And all these things that we see in the book of Ruth is all because Ruth said, I'm there with you. I'll be there beside you. If it's hard, I'll be there. You know when, you're, you, know when you know you have a really good friend? When things go bad. Not when things are good. When things are good, everybody's around. Listen, just win the lottery. You'll have all the friends you can handle, I promise you. You'll have cousins coming out of the woodwork. I always kid Forrest. Nobody has more cousins than Forrest does. I mean, he is, he's the most, he, is, he tells me all the time, my cousin, he's related to everybody in Valdosta. I mean, everybody in Valdosta. You'll have people coming all over the place when things are good. But look around when things are rough. Look around when you ain't got no money in your pocket. Look around when your health starts to break. Because if you look around and you see somebody, that's a friend. You see somebody, that's a brother in Christ. That's a sister in Christ. And that's what we need to do. We need to be there for each other. We need to be burden bearers for each other. We need to be encouragers of one another. We need to be accountability partners. We need to supplicate with one another. These are the things that God's people ought to be doing. The world's not going to do it for you. It's the church. And if the church isn't being the church, sooner or later it's closed its doors because it's not effective. And it's not going to be a healthy church if there isn't some semblance of unity. Get on the same page. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith or your trust in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? He loved you so much that Jesus Christ came, died upon the cross, took your sins upon himself, shed his innocent and perfect blood, was buried, and the Bible says he rose again the third day.